Wade into Wealth, taking one of life's most intimidating topics, money, your financial well-being, and providing simple, easy-to-understand ways to be more comfortable with your own financial health. This is Wade into Wealth, brought to you by the Wade Group at Brighton Securities. Have you wondered lately why things are starting to cost more? You know things get more expensive over time, otherwise known as inflation. But we're talking today about the things you may not have expected, like ketchup, lumber, and sweatpants. Yes, sweatpants. One of my favorite things to wear. Yes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wade into Wealth. I'm Chuck Wade. My brother Ethan and I are here today talking about the supply chain. This This has been, I think, one of the more fascinating subjects to learn about and i've said that a few times now but i I, bitcoin was fascinating to spend a lot more time on but but really looking over the last week at various parts of how supply chains work supply and demand for goods that you never would have thought (laughs) would be at a shortage and realizing how interconnected our world is and the economy is and how that works its way down to yours and our and everyone's wallets and i think it's helpful to think of the economy as uh, spiderweb, which is actually a very strong material. Uh, spider silk is five times as strong as steel. And if it was human sized, if if you if you blew a spider web up to the size of a human, it could literally stop a jetliner mid-flight. That's how strong it is. But if you break the web, if the web becomes disconnected, it just falls apart. And in a case like this, the the chain is broken and problems immediately begin to creep up. And I think what we've realized now a year and so past the beginning of COVID and the pandemic is that it basically destroyed the spider web that is our supply chain in the United States and the world. Yeah, the world. It was uh, a global problem and it still is a global problem. You know, we go out to eat, used to go out to eat. Now you may uh, order takeout and you'd have ketchup on the table. We would just think, all right, ketchup with the fries or whatever it is you were eating you don't typically think about what it took to get that there so that you could have it. Uh, and then, uh, so we take a step back. A supply chain is, it's a network of organizations or resources, sometimes individuals or activities that are involved in the creation and the sale of a product. So let's, let's talk about ketchup. Uh, you have tomatoes. You have other raw ingredients that are going to go into the end product there. So those raw ingredients have to get, have to be grown. Sugar. Yep. They have to be shipped to the facility that is then going to mix the sugar with the tomatoes or the tomato paste that they grown and all right. of the other ingredients so that they can actually be turned into ketchup. Then it gets bottled or, as we're seeing more of, it gets put into single-use packets. Uh, then it has to get shipped to its ultimate destination. So that bottle of ketchup, that single-use packet that we have, there's a number of items that happened along the way to get it on that table or to get it into your takeout bag. And, you know, I think the supply chain is just like a hose. When the water's working fine, you turn it, you turn on the nozzle outside, wait a couple seconds, water comes out. We don't think about yeah. what's going on inside. In reality, though, 99% of that hose can be working flawlessly. But if you have the smallest kink, at best, that water coming out may be a trickle. 
if it's coming out at all. Yeah, that's a good example. And it is something that has really, we've had, there are multiple kinks in that hose right right now. Yeah, and some have come at different times where you think you've got one fix and then another one comes up creating bigger problems. Yeah, and I mean, when you talk about ketchup, the thing that's fascinating to me is how much of it gets wasted. I'm always yeah. yelling at our kids. Oh, yeah, hey, Griffin's you, the worst. You're putting way too yeah. much ketchup on that. Yeah. Um, and so we'll get into ketchup. We're going to talk about sweatpants and various other things, but I think it is it is really important to first understand things don't just get to the shelves at Wegmans. Right. There, there, there is a process to getting them there, and, and that process has been has been exposed, and it's it's not just ketchup. Lumber's a big one. Um, it, it's huge, and we were going to talk more about the housing market later, but if you think about it, what happened over the last 12 months, 13 months? People were home, and the walls of your house start to creep in if you're home, if you have kids, if you don't have kids, but your home is now an office. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, there was a card table in our bedroom that literally was my wife's and my office for several months last year. Sure. And the walls start to creep in, and people are looking to remodel a home or they want to buy a new home. And so what happens? There's a greater demand for remodeling to be done. But the other side of that, which has been different, is that, and this goes across so many different markets, but the forestry industry basically got shut down last year. Yeah. People weren't able to work. They weren't cutting trees down. They weren't being processed at a factory and turned into plywood and various various size pieces of, of construction material. So all of these things happen. So that's that's one example where the supply chain was disrupted, and now that is leading to the price of lumber being double, or more than right. double. It's up 200% from where it was in April of last year. Yeah, and I think you look at it, it's not just in lumber. It's across pretty much every industry because mm-hmm. you're coming into, this is a, a little more than a year ago now. If you're a business, you're looking at this and thinking, okay, we are going to have a significant economic disruption and slowdown, which means we need to make sure that us as a company, financially, we're going to be able to weather this storm. So we, and and it's entirely feasible to expect that consumers are not going to go out and buy as many new couches as they has been. People aren't going to be building as many homes as they had been. And so what happens is they cut down on production. But the opposite, in a way, happened because the government started sending out more money and putting it in people's bank accounts. Folks were stuck at home without anything else to do and shopping became easier. And we also had the backstop of stimulus payments being put into accounts. Mm -hmm. And what happened was almost the reverse of that. So while these businesses felt there would be a significant slowdown in spending, spending ramped up. And you can't just flip a switch and all of a sudden your production is back up and running to the level that it had been before. Right. It takes time. You want to get a new couch? Go ahead. You can pay for it. You're not getting it for four months. Or a computer. Yeah. It, I mean, it's across right. pretty much it, every industry now. And, and that's what we're starting to realize now. I didn't. Yeah. You don't stop and think about it, but you thought, all right, well, let's talk about computers and, and computer chips, which is where the new infrastructure bill that the president is trying to push through, one of the biggest areas for spending is in an increase in production of computer chips and semiconductors and things like yeah. that. Well, why is that? Well, everyone's buying laptops well, or and, and iPads. It, or they're this. in your cars now. And right. They're, they're in it. I mean, these chips are pretty much your phones. It's in they're everything. In everything. 
And there's been even more of a demand for that now as more technology has been needed inside the Absolutely, home. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and this one, too, fascinated me because my wife, Liz, loves fountain drinks. Mm-hmm. And she'll say sometimes, you know, I'll say, do you want anything to drink? She'll go, a fountain drink. And I'll say, well, you know, the fountain drink, they don't have fountain drinks there or, or wherever. And yeah. she'll go, oh, never mind then. She loves fountain drinks. And one of the big differences has been Pepsi, Coke, those companies have had to ramp up production of bottled sure. and canned beverages because they're not shipping the canisters that would be used in right. fountain drinks yep. nearly as much. And all of these things that, that you'd never think of. So there's been across the board, you name it, there's been a changing in the demand for for so many different things that just a year ago we wouldn't have imagined. Yeah, and that's you're using more plastic to make uh, pop bottles. Mm-hmm. That means there's less plastic to make toys, right? I mean, it's it's and it just trickles down and impacts everything else that further creates this uh, bigger impact that we see. And then you get into the shipping issues. Yeah, that that we've been having, and the easiest one is the evergreen that got uh, stuck in the Suez Canal. We spent a lot of uh, attention looking at that. Mm -hmm. But take a look at the Southern California port. The port of Los Angeles has a massive backlog right now. Historically, the largest uh, backlog that it's ever had. And you've had this increase in shipping, this increase in demand, and you've had the opposite, which is you've had reduction in workers at the ports. Right. Whether it's scaling back for financial reasons or... One thing we haven't mentioned is what happens if in the supply chain you have a breakout a breakout of COVID-19. Right. And all of a sudden you may have the product there, but you don't have the labor force to be able to get it done so it can continue on its path. Meaning you literally don't have people to unload right. the ships. Yeah. And the containers. So they're sitting there. They're yep. sitting out there in in the harbor. Yeah. On boats waiting to be unloaded. Another example is there was a huge boon last year in people getting outside, which is great. Right. Um, we went camping for the first time. Yep. You tried. Yeah, I tried. You tried. We it's were home different. that same night. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. It's, that was a long day. <laughs> it's different with, I should say, we went camping in an RV with children that are five and seven. Yeah. You valiantly attempted camping in a tent. We with, tried. With a two-year. Uh, at that a, point, it's probably a year and a half. A one-and-a-half-year-old. We which, tried understandable but you can't buy a tent right now you couldn't then you couldn't then and you still can't yeah so tents any sort of outdoor goods paddle boards all these all these various things that you think oh yeah you want you want a tent or you want a bike yep. you want a bicycle you want to go buy a road bicycle or a mountain bike your best bet in many cases is to buy something used off of facebook or craigslist yeah. because stores can't get them in stock and aren't expecting to get them in stock and so what does this lead to? If they do, the price goes through the roof yep. of what you have to pay to get one or it's first come, first served. So Let, let's talk about that for a little bit because that's, in my opinion, uh, when I was going to school, specifically for finance, one thing that was always the main driver was the concept of supply and demand. Yes. And supply and demand sets literally sets the price of everything. And so what does this mean? Because it can sometimes be a jargon term. The concept there is, uh, which we always talked about in uh, school, was pizza. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of pizzerias out there. 
which means when there's plenty of pizzerias in demand, meaning we all want pizza, we all love it. It's personally my favorite food. Yeah, I do too. Uh, but when you can call within a maybe five mile radius, somewhere between 10 or 15 different pizzerias, while they may taste differently, one can't charge triple right. as much as their competitors and expect to maintain their business. Insulin, on the other hand, is a different story. Diabetics need insulin. There's a finite amount of it. It's not just they can't just rapidly make it and, and give it away. So because of the need that people have to have it, prices tend to be right. a little bit higher as, as a yep. result of that. I think very often the concept of supply and demand is something that is almost like the phrase buy low and sell high. We know right. the phrase, but we don't necessarily understand how it works or what yeah. it actually means. And I've thought that for several years. Supply and demand is an, is an economic concept that we all know the words, but a lot of folks probably don't have an understanding of how yeah. does it really work? Like how is that driving the stock market to rise or fall? But now when you think about it, I remember trying to get our bikes tuned up last mm -hmm. year yep, and having to call multiple places and being told, yeah, we're three months out right right now because everyone all of a sudden and, and us too, I are trying to get your bike tuned up, which I hadn't ridden my bike in five or six years. Yep. And now I want to get it tuned up or you're going to buy a tent or any of these things. And it's just not in stock. Yeah. And, and that really has, has made that made that stand out. Now you worked before we got into finance, you worked, when you were in college, you worked for a trucking and shipping company. I did, yes. I did not drive the truck. I, I worked God. on the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked on the customer service. Side. So let's talk about that, though, because that is a huge part of what we'd call, it's, sometimes it's called a bottleneck. Yep. A bottleneck, which is simply there's an area where things tighten up, and you think about liquid flowing out of a bottle. Yep. A, a Coke bottle, for example. There, it narrows at the top, and that slows the flow. Yeah. And so there is a huge bottleneck with respect to the trucking industry right now. Yeah, we, well, we talked about the port in Southern California. We talked about the Evergreen ship being stuck in the Suez Canal. Right. The reality is those massive cargo ships, they go into a port. Once it goes into a port, that ship does not have wheels, and it's not a, an, an amphibious vehicle where it can just drive up and start delivering these container ships to, to everybody. But it makes for a good picture. It does. Like a oh, ship yeah, yeah. stuck in a canal is a good yeah. image, or ships on the horizon is a good image. Right. But the real issue is once those containers are unloaded yeah. and on land and now have to get somewhere. Yeah, and they all end up getting divvied up, and they have to get put on trucks to get driven to Arizona, uh, Wyoming, New York. The reality is... Driving a truck is not the most glamorous profession. You're, in a lot of cases, you're driving overnight. Uh, you're driving, think about some people, uh, my wife loves road trips. I can't stand them. Uh, but I bet if you ask Brenna to take a road trip every single day or six days a week of driving four or five hours one way and coming straight back with a yeah. massive vehicle, uh, you can make a good living doing it. But that, again, comes down to supply and demand. Uh, the demand, or, or excuse me, the supply of workers looking to drive these trucks has been consistently coming down, which means the pay for the drivers there right now has been going up. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that we have less freight or less cargo that has to get driven around the country. It's either the same. You could make a very strong argument that it's now more as more products are being shipped, more. more people are buying yeah. online. 
uh, as the number of truck drivers has continuously declined, the demand for truck drivers has continuously increased. Exponentially. Yeah, yeah. And so you've got wages going up there because they want people to drive these trucks. But on the other side of it, when you don't have the truck drivers, that means your existing workforce is having to work more. They're getting pushed more, and there's also these regulations that a driver can only drive a particular right. number of hours straight. You can't just drive 24 hours straight. Those regulations are in place for a reason because they know what tired what happens when you're tired and you're driving, the, the accidents that result of that. So it's not an answer of, ah, just work harder, work a couple extra hours. There are regulations that prevent them from just pushing it that extra two hours, and, and they're serious regulations. Seven out of every ten goods on the shelf in the United States get there by a truck. Yeah. yeah, 70% of the goods. So when you think of it, you go to Wegmans or you go to Dick's Sporting Goods or you go to any, go to any store, 70% of what is in that store got there in or on a truck. Yeah. And so we did have a shortage pre pandemic. So what happened during the pandemic? Even if you wanted to get a commercial driver's license, typically the process took about two months. You'd have to go to the DMV, apply for your license. You would have to go do the driver training Yep. And we've all seen the Professional Drivers Institute bumper sticker, learn to be a truck driver. That took about two months. That timeline grew to about six months. So that yeah. timeline tripled. The time it took to be able to drive a truck tripled. And we had a shortage of about 60,000 truck drivers before the pandemic. That shortage now, um, one of the institutes that tracks this, uh, trucking associations, estimates that we will need to add 100,000 truck drivers for the next 10 years to catch up yeah. on that shortage. So we're looking at over the next decade, a million truck drivers are needed. So here, we don't give a lot of investment advice, but here's some personal advice. If you're someone thinking of going to college, not sure what you want to do or wanting to learn a trade, you can go be a truck driver. Yeah. And you can make take a, the make time to learn, living off and of you it. can make a pretty darn good living off of it with very little debt incurred. Yeah. Something to think about. And that there's another subject there, because if you look at heavy equipment operators and things like that, there's a huge demand for that right now, and yeah. there's not a lot of people willing to do it. Yeah. You can make a good chunk of Learn money. Learn a trade. Good chunk of money. So it's uh, I have firsthand now, having worked at a, a freight forwarder shipping company, uh, but when you see a Wegmans, you don't see a massive airstrip right next to it so that airplanes can deliver all the products there. You see bays for tractor trailers to be able to back up so they can offload all of the goods that they have on, on the back of that truck. And we don't usually see those bays. No, they're usually in the back of the store. They're usually in trees. the back of the store. They're hidden. They're built around. They're constructed around. And those deliveries are usually happening in the middle yeah, of the night. right. Absolutely. So you don't see yep. it. We really don't see it. Yep. But it does happen. It has to happen. And yeah. so that has been a huge reason. It's not just a shortage of goods. It's a shortage of, me of ways of getting yeah. the goods. It's a perfect storm across a number, of, uh, a, a number of items. So let's talk about some other areas of surprising shortages. We talked about ketchups, which, by the way, a ketchup packet, do you know the technical name? I, I might miss, is it a... a a sachet? A sachet. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was going to pronounce that the right way. <laughs> a sachet. Yeah. Ketchup sachet. That's what the companies call it or or packet. So Why wouldn't it be a ketchup? I don't ketchup know. Ketchup packet. I, yeah. I don't know. You might be know. on to Maybe something. Maybe Heinz is listening. Um, you know, and that's an issue. So Heinz has had to do that. There's a lot of restaurants that are having to go out and, and seek other ketchup vendors. Yeah. And the concern they have is that 
there's a difference in quality. And Absolutely. so they're concerned about the difference in quality um, for their customers. But at the same point in time, I think most most people are probably willing to be a little understanding at this point in time. Yeah. And some restaurants have had to tell their employees to only provide condiment packets upon request well, uh, I for, mean, from the customers. Think about it. If you go, I mean, there was a time where you'd go to McDonald's or Wendy's and yeah. you know, the kids <laughs> have a handful of it. You'd say, well, can I get some ketchup packets? And there's this, you see them. They literally <laughs> put a handful in the bag. Yeah. And now maybe you get two. Yep. And that's, that's understandable. Um, what about meat? Meat has been an issue too. Yep. It's where, again, where costs have gone up, costs have increased, and now restaurant owners have had to worry about do they pass that cost on to the consumer or do they eat it? Because people also don't want to see the cost going up for what it costs to buy a salad or a sandwich. Yeah, so so this podcast is going to be released on, uh, this is Wednesday, April 28th. Uh, this number, the, the CPI, Consumer Price Index, which tracks the level of uh, price increases or decreases across goods uh, is as of February. So we don't have the March data yet. Uh, but as of February, meat, poultry, fish, and eggs, all up more than 5% from where they were 12 months ago. Now we look at that and think, well, 5% may not be that much. But if you're a restaurant, you're not selling hamburgers with a profit margin of 50%. Nope. Your profit margin may be 7 Eight, right. it may be five percent. That all of a sudden, that increase in the cost of one of your inputs to your meal could eat has the potential to eat away at at the profit margins that you have as a business. Yeah. And when you're not making profits, you have a problem. Yep. So that's a that's a problem. This is one of the ones that I think I I enjoyed the most is that the material for sweatpants and leisure wear has <laughs> increased in value as there has been such a demand for people buying those clothes versus yeah. I mean. I haven't bought a suit or a dress shirt or anything in a long time. Yeah. Not been a need to. And I love my sweatpants. Sure. But you think about the last year, what were people wearing when they were working from home? Yeah. So there's a there's a lot of ways that this is this has impacted us and it will continue to impact us. What does it mean? Stuff's gonna continue to cost more. Right. And I think that's something too, we we've kind of Amazon has spoiled a lot of us in that there is the expectation for free shipping. Yeah. Now. And nothing's free. Nothing is free. Now, in many cases, that free shipping, I'm making the air quotes around it, is you're subsidizing that with your monthly subscription yeah, fee right. or it's built into the cost of goods. But in a lot of cases, lately I've bought something and been like, oh, that shipping seems a little expensive. You have to understand yep. it's getting from there to you. And there's a cost to that, and companies have to pass that cost on. And not only that, those those prices, again, with supply and demand have gone up. Right. And in order for you to get your item, when there's other items that also need to be shipped, you've got to pay for it. So this is something to consider, too. And we're going we're gonna to talk about ketchup again, because I think I like ketchup. I think it goes well on just about anything. <laughs> yeah, you used to eat ketchup. You may still, although you probably don't eat uh, potato chips too much. I remember when we were Try kids, to avoid them, but you would uh, dip potato chips. Oh, just have delicious. a plate of potato chips and ketchup. If you haven't, this is I love unsolicited advice, so I'm going <laughs> to give some. If you haven't, just regular potato chips. I'm a I'm a fan of the Cape Cod brand. Just the regular chips, dip them in ketchup, delicious. It's a great snack. <laughs> try the, it out. The problem is you try it and then the bag's gone yeah, oh yeah. 15 minutes later, and that becomes a problem in itself for another time. But the problem is that all of these companies are now having to look at, 
it is not as simple as just switching your production line from bottling ketchup to putting ketchup into a ketchup no. packet. It's not that simple. I think Heinz said they're going to open up two two facilities to right. be able to uh, take care of that demand. So what does that take? Uh, time yeah. and a Investment. significant amount of money yep. to do that. So the question is, though. This is a big question. How long is this going to last for? How long is that change in demand going to require companies to be switching from bottled soda or from fountain soda to bottled soda, from ketchup uh, yeah. bottles to ketchup packets? Satchets. Satchets. In, is that two years? Is that three? Is it five? Is it ten? I don't know that we're going to live in this current state yeah. as, we ha- as we have been forever. Hopefully not. Right. So what does that mean? If you're a company, you have to be weighing the question of, how long are we going to need to make these production shifts? Yeah, and that that's what the toilet paper companies, uh, that's why we had that issue back in we the We didn't even talk about toilet paper today. But they, they looked at it and thought, we're not going to open new facilities right. because eventually this will square itself away by the supply and demand that we have, and we'd be stuck with these production facilities that when things normalize, they're not going to be used that much. Right. And that's a that's again that goes across a wide range of yeah. sectors, and I think ketchup is a great one. Uh, our friend Grant in California always texts me when he hears a toilet paper yeah, mention on the podcast. Of, I was thinking, so of I just thought of you, Grant. <laughs> um, we appreciate you, um, but I think it is something that I don't know how these companies are going to figure that out. But you have to take that into mind: is that yeah. this still is a relatively speaking short term thing? I believe. I, I would think, especially if we talk about. Ketchup sachets or ketchup right. packets? Yeah, I would think that that's a relatively short-term, short-term yeah, issue. Yeah, it is. But the question is, how do you... We don't get paid to make decisions for Kraft Heinz, though. No. How do you weigh that? Yeah. And so that's what these companies need to need to figure out. And it's something that we'll continue to monitor. This remains a fascinating, fascinating topic. Yeah. And I think it's one that is worth spending time on every once in a while. And, it, and it's a topic we could spend a great deal of time on. And, and we may... Revisit it again in the future. We've got some great experts coming on soon to talk about real estate with us and how the lack of supply and massive demand has created a whole new set of challenges for buyers and plenty of opportunities for sellers. But for now, we're going to say goodbye for this week and ask that if you found value in this podcast or know of someone who would, please leave us a review or share with a friend. The journey to financial wellness is one best shared and not traveled alone. Thanks for being with us. Talk to you next week. Contact the Wade Group at wadegroup at brightonsecurities.com or find them on Facebook or Twitter at the Wade Group. Thanks for listening to Wade Into Wealth, brought to you by the Wade Group at Brighton Securities.